If you're listening, whether it's after a long break, a short break, somewhere in between, immediately flew over here for part two. It is part two of this week's Cold Listen Hot Take segment. We are in the 1970s. We are in season two. And this is our uh, seventh set of Cold Listen Hot Takes. Sorry, there were a lot of S sounds there. I felt like it was a a, uh, phonics lesson right there for me with the S sounds, but I was able to pull it off. As always... I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Josh and Matt. And as always, we're going to check in. You know, Matt has not had the most wonderful check-ins the last couple of weeks. I heard a little laugh there from Josh. <laughs> you know what? The people want to know, Matt, are you feeling any better? I, I, I was until I cooked dinner tonight and I cut up a poblano pepper. And it was one of those things where I didn't have a glove on or anything like that. So, like, my hand is still, like, burning from the, the, the spices of the pepper. I didn't adequately prepare you know my hands to to handle the poblanos are not that hot either well this one was josh because (laughs) i'm feeling it in my finger and i cooked about two hours ago so you know 
All right. There's that. You but did other not than take, that, I'm good. You did not take part in any extracurricular activities, Matt, besides cooking with that poblano hand, did you? No. <laughs> okay, no. Good. good. Washing dishes, that was an ex- I guess that was an extra. But that made it worse because under the hot mm-hmm. water, it just accentuated the heat of the poblano pepper. So. I'm talking more about the slow hand, Matt. I know what hand. you're doing, but yeah. um, we're, this is, we're trying to make this a family show, John. So I'm trying to divert eh, it away from your. You guys are ideas. making it a family, a family show. I Tur- flaunt, flaunt the PG-13 right there. So bringing in the younger know. demo PG-13? there. PG-13. I don't know. I think, you're, I think it's a little bit more than that sometimes. Well, I'll try to, I'll try to, to spice it up a little this week, you know, to bring the younger audience to the crowd and. I'm pretty sure you're holding down the 60 and plus artists, uh, audience for us, Matt. So we're, you know, somebody has to. And the guy who's pulling in the female demographic, Josh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How are you doing, bud? <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but. He's the LL Cool J of this sure. podcast. I don't have any analytics that show it, but I just know <laughs> it to be true, Josh. Okay. So. You mentioned earlier that it was our seventh bonus. It's actually our ninth bonus. Oh, damn. Oh, because of, of the, the ones when you guys were on vacation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. Cleaned. Okay. Well, yes, but it's seventh in the true cold, listen, hot take format. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Connect like Voltron. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm doing well. I'm ready for another round of interesting albums this week. Absolutely. Well, yeah, we have we had four that to review for those that might have listened and then taken a break or just are listening to the second part ahead of the first because, you know, they do things differently, right? We liked all four albums. It was you know, not to spoil it for those who may not have listened, there's lots of good takes, but check that one out. But whether it was the New York Dolls or the Isley Brothers, and we're kind of bouncing all over the place with different stuff. So uh, mm-hmm. Herbie Hancock uh, was in there and Roxy Music. So we were uh, four for four on that one. We will see if uh, the good times keep rolling this episode. Um, before we get started, guys, anything you'd like to share in terms of thoughts from the, the last taping or any cleaning? Well, I saw Rolling Stone drop their new 500 best songs of all time list, but I oh. haven't looked at it yet. So huh. I'm sure it's... Do you think it's, Ro- uh, Like a Rolling Stone is still at number one, Josh? No, I think it's changed. Yeah. I might dig into that like I do for the albums and just find any songs that are on there that we don't cover the artist ever. And just maybe do a segment where we just talk about some of those artists, especially if they're 60s or 70s or even 50s, just to, um, you know, truly continue to be completists of the genre. Because <laughs> we don't have enough episodes no, to cover no. from the bonus. There's never enough, you know. I'll sleep when I'm dead, Josh, and then you oh. can eulogize me on this podcast <laughs> with a bio. So, mm-hmm. oh, I see what number one is. Like a Rolling Stone is knocked down three spots to number four. Oh, is that what it was of before Like a Rolling Stone? It was number one, I believe. Yeah, Num- okay. number one now. Any any tech any guesses? Any takers? Give us give us a hint. Well, hold on. If it's like the other list they've done, it's probably mm-hmm. going to be either an African American artist or a female artist because they've really mm-hmm. been trying to. Yeah, okay, so it does work there. Well, um, I, I just said okay. I'm, I didn't necessarily say. Oh, gotcha. Right. Okay. I was just saying. Yep. Okay. I see your I see your train of thought. Mm-hmm. So. You could be right, though, John. I could be messing with you. Is it Respect by Aretha Franklin? It is, Josh. Are you you kidding? I am not kidding. Oh, my God. I did not cheat at all, folks. I was just guessing. That is an awesome song, so I do not want to minimize, but that does hit the double shot there, doesn't it? It does. Yes, it (laughs) does. It does. So Great song, though, if you're going to pick one, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's iconic, as we said in our episode way back Isn't it not her song, though? Isn't it Otis's? It's Otis's song, but it— Doesn't that take away from it a little bit? 
Hector written doesn't have by to be written by her. Otis Redding. Yeah. It's not like yeah. it's Carol King. And or what something. the song is, right? Yeah. I kind of I kind of feel though that like number one should be something that was spawned from the loins of the artist themselves. Mm, I, I mean I disagree. Well, that's that's, that's what you got number two for, John. Two. Imagine by John. An artist Lennon, we haven't it? covered yet. No. no an artist we haven't covered yet. Yeah. No. Fight the Power by Public Enemy. That's an odd choice. <laughs> that's an odd choice. <laughs> yeah. We'll, well, I mean, we'll cover choice, that album. We'll have plenty to talk about it, but that's just, if you're going to pick the best, that's basically saying that's the best hip-hop song of all time. And Yeah, that's a good point. Should I dress yeah. up like Flavor Flav when we cover Public Enemy? Yes. <laughs> yeah, boy! <laughs> There's my answer. But yeah, I think the what? best work Flavor Flav ever did was was Flavor of Love. Oh God! When he was wearing it, it, that Viking hat, <laughs> it was virtuoso work. It was so. Yeah. Surely, um, the annals of reality TV. That's up there. Yep, that's it. And there will never be a better thing than the brat on that show watching Mini Me piss <laughs> off of the scooter and say Mini Me just pissed on the wall. That's what I wish. <laughs> that will be my lasting memory of that. So, yep. <laughs> memories all right well, well we we don't have first-hand <laughs> memories of these albums we i know we have other memories on some of these artists as well which i'm sure we'll share and so hey let's just plow right into it we're gonna start with an artist that we have covered once before Joni mitchell we did cover blue in full format earlier uh, very early in season two and matt why don't you go ahead and run the numbers um i believe you are actually uh the person who's going to start us this segment too if all i remember right. correctly. Well, i'm just yeah. going to go right into it then so this is number 110 mm-hmm. on the rolling stone top 500 list on best ever albums it comes in at number 132 in the 1970s number Matt, six what is at- it by the way because i feel like we haven't oh, said what it is yeah. about it. i'm sorry it's court and spark this is the um the, the album that came out after blue i believe so this is kind of running in line with our timeline here, but 132 in the 1970s on Best Ever Albums, number six in 1974, and number 567 of all time, it is Joni Mitchell's uh, second highest rated album on Best Ever Albums behind Blue. And uh, I got to say, my my review's not going to be all that much different than my review of Blue, which is nonplussed. I am, I am not a fan of this record, or Joni Mitchell really much at all, I think, at this point. Um, I I just I there were some elements of this that I actually liked a little bit better. She does bring in um, more of a full band on some songs. So there's you have some drums and some bass and yeah. some guitar, which uh, electric guitar. Yeah, <laughs> um, not all like a couple of songs. I think you know tracks two and three, "Help Me" and "Free Men in Paris" both use that. Um, but a lot, most of the songs were kind of you know, back in the tradition of her, you know, acoustic guitar playing, either that was the central instrument or the piano. Um, And I just, I just, I struggle with Joni Mitchell. Um, I struggle with her, not just her voice, but the way that she um, sings her lyrics. It's just like, almost like a free form type of singing. That's not Mm -hmm. really like, I I said this before and I'll, I'll say it again. I feel like she's trying to, she's trying to throw in too many words in a short, you know, uh, uh, frame within the piece of music you know hmm. she's she's singing more than i think that she sh- more words than it feels like she should and that's part of her style and uh, it's it's certainly unique and i think that's it's maybe one of the things that people like about her i partic- i personally don't really find it appealing i feel it i feel it a little overbearing and a little bit too much um you know i and i think i think the melody 
suffers in, in her songs partly because of that, but also just because there's not really a lot of not really a lot of hooks. There's not really a lot of melody. There's not, and there's not a lot of edge either. So without one of those three, and it's not like strong beats or anything like that. So, you know, f- so for me, it's, 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 it's a little difficult to, you know, get amped about or, you know, to, to really, you know, enjoy, um, you know, there's, there's, it's more produced, I think, than blue. And Definitely. I think that it, it's at it, the production is a notice, notable, 70s type production you know with with more strings and you know orchestration that kind of falls in line with 70s production so which is something that is kind of hit or miss for me and at this point at, at this album it's it's a it's a bit of a miss um you know it's I, you know actually i was kind of surprised raised on robbery was like she's did a rock and roll song so that was mm-hmm. kind of that was a little different so there's moments in here that i was like okay like I, I, you know, I like the fact that she's trying something a little different. She's mixing it up, and there were some parts in here that I think I did like. But overall, it's just it, it doesn't really do a whole lot for me. I find it at parts annoying, um, you know, and uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to take anything away from her talent because clearly she's a very revered artist, particularly amongst musicians and really good songwriters. And um, you know, this is just maybe something that I don't get, and maybe you know that's just what it is but i don't really feel like i want to listen to this stuff i feel like if i want to listen to singer songwriter stuff there's plenty of other areas uh, and, and artists that i'm going to go to um but my guess is a lot of those artists were probably inspired by joni mitchell so again like i've said before i'm glad she's out there it's just i don't i don't think i really need to listen to this i think i'm okay so um a little bit of a thumbs down for me hmm. so just a little fact checking here we talked about blue on episode 12 of this season so not not too far back and this album is actually two after blue from what i see and it's three years later so point being that i i heard different stuff in here and i think she is trying something different i think she her voice sounds stronger and it sounded different that may be the production for me but it's almost like deeper or or more resonant um and and also I heard a lot of orchestration listening to this. I feel like there's whole orchestras behind her at times mm. through the production. And you hear all sorts of dif- different instruments on this saxophone, bass, you know, horns, flutes, maybe a, a harmonica or something at some point. And I think, and it's still her and the guitar, but with all of that behind her, it, it sounds different. And I think she is trying to branch out musically with with not only that production but with the styles of different styles of songs like matt brings up he there is an upbeat rocking song with raised under robbery i think she's got some kind of jazzy elements to some songs like trouble child and twisted and i think she is trying to flesh out kind of what she can do on this album um she's got backing singers also on down to you so she i think she is really trying to or the production is trying to make her more than just her and the guitar. And at times it almost sounds like she's like a female Crosby, Stills and Nash with the way that this production is and the sounds are. And at the end of the day, it's still Joni Mitchell and it's still all about her songs and her lyrics or the stories that she tells within her songs. And and this is no exception. So I think, you know, if, if you are into, the stories she tells, you know, if you are a ex-boyfriend of hers, you're going to have a song hmm. about yourself. And and 
that has carried through to today with like Taylor Swift and and all the other um, female singer songwriters that that are have a career and are trying to you know write about their lives in in different ways and I think that's what Joni Mitchell does and she does it really well. Um, I there wasn't any big there wasn't a big like hit or like standout song for me on this album. I thought there'd maybe be a single or something, but nothing really hit home for me on that front. But overall, I, I enjoyed the album. I think I le- maybe liked it a little more than Blue just because of the different stuff that was going on in the background. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's Joni Mitchell through and through. It's just Joni Mitchell with some added layers on onto it, I think. Gotcha. Well, I, I'm surprised neither of you guys mentioned the piano because mm. unlike Blue, which was mostly Joni Mitchell and guitar work, and there's guitar here, this one is heavy on Joni Mitchell playing the piano. Mm-hmm. And as a result, to me, the vibe is very different of this album. And I'm right in between both of you guys. I think this is two albums. There's the first sev- six tracks, but then in the seven, it starts to shift where it blends together and not necessarily in a good way. It just seems there's these slice of life stories that Joni Mitchell is telling me. The musicianship kind of stays the same with small twists. Uh, like Josh said, there's some, um, there's some dialogue at times. There's some background singing. But for the most part, it's piano interspersed with some acoustic guitar. And that part of the album kind of just washed over me, not leaving a mark. It was inoffensive, but it didn't stand out to me. There were lyrics that I recognized as being interesting lyrics, but at the end of the day, I mean, Joni Mitchell's writing about two things. She's writing about love affairs, usually fleeting ones. Mm-hmm. You know, like she she writes a lot about like bursts of passion and one night stands and st- and I don't say that judgingly, but like you can't like we've listened to two albums and that was a theme that yep. came up quite a bit. It's sort of like I was here and then I kind of got overwhelmed and I made love. There's a song on this that's about a one night stand. There's an interesting song. Um, I'm trying to remember the name. It was right around the middle of the album. Um, Carl uh, down. I think it's down to down you to if you. I remember mm. correctly. Yep. That. Um, is like the. It's basically like her reflecting on a one night stand the night before, but it was. It was a really interesting, um, very feminine way to write about it. Um, and often, you know, it's usually like a swaggering thing of that. So I, I really did enjoy that. Um, but once again, the musicianship was not drawing me in. I will say that around track seven, when it gets to Just Like This Train, there starts to be a little bit more diversity in that song that kind of caught my attention and then really raised on a robbery. I'm like, mm, I like this little gem at the end right here. It rocks mm-hmm. out a little bit. It's almost a little bit funky, to be quite honest. And I was like, ah, oh, it's a nice little gem at the end. And um, it's interesting because later when I went back on it, I, I really liked the guitar work. And you know who that was, guys? That was uh, Robbie Robertson. Oh, okay. Who was playing the guitar in that album? I, I, I got an Eagles feel from that song, mm-hmm. like a, yep. kind of like a country esque Eagles. You know, I actually liked thing. it better than the Eagles songs that we did before. Yeah. To be quite honest, I, I enjoyed it, and I really like. And Josh mentioned both of them. Trouble Child and Twisted are um, tracks ten and eleven. So so raised on a robbery is at nine. Trouble Child at ten and Twisted at eleven. They have some jazz mm-hmm. standard jazz classics more layered musicianship and i really thought the album finished strong and i 
kind of was thinking to myself, I really wish the album had picked up on this vein and a little bit more experimental vein because I was mm-hmm. starting to to feel it a little bit. Um, I, I will mention that the early part of the album does, as we said before in the Blue Album, pretend a certain type of um, female singer-songwriter uh, rock uh, that's coming later. And it really, when you hear it in this moment, it stands out because you can see people listening to the album and taking their own... Uh, twist on it with their own voice and their own lyrics but mm. um yeah for me uh, in the middle may maybe a little bit down just because the length of time where the album blends it without making a mark on me was a little longer than i would have liked for an album that was truly trending up but there were things on here that caught my attention more than blue musically mm-hmm. and it was a very similar album um uh, maybe if not thematically um the songs were very similar just clearly to different part of Joni Mitchell's life uh, blue is what 71 yeah and this is 73 74 74 yeah so she's lived three years between this mm-hmm. and gone out and toured this stuff not that she wasn't playing live before but it, it does seem a little bit more like someone who's lived a little bit more life as opposed to just she certainly wasn't naive in Blue, but she was, uh, I feel like, more of a free spirit, whereas here she has that that free spirit, but she's also a little more world-weary in this one. And she's also writing as other people besides herself at times. Raised on Robbery is pretty clearly, like, she's singing as, like, a prostitute. Um, like, mm. so it's, like, themes that you can tell she's writing universal themes, right? So some of them might be things she felt, but, like, her character, she's doing the embodying the character um, type of songwriter on that one. Um, So I thought that was a really interesting song lyrically too. Um, I think this would have been an interesting one for me to listen to a second time to see if I would have caught some stuff. Um, That's against the rules, according to Matt. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And I didn't. (laughs) You can after this. You're just not supposed to before your takes. I, I, you know, and, and the things that came out that were interesting in terms of, you know, I, for this, I don't do a big bio, but I do go to all music and I do go to Wikipedia just to browse to see if there's anything out. And yeah, uh, you know, uh, Crosby and Nash are on this album. Cheech and Chong are speaking mm. voices on oh, this. I thought Robbie... I heard them at the end there. Yep, at exactly. The, yeah. Yep. Robbie Robertson, like I said, played on this one. And the funniest story that came out of this one was that apparently um, Joni Mitchell's very good friends with David Geffen. In fact, the third song on this album, not mm-hmm. that I had any idea, Free Man in Paris, is about David Geffen. Um, hmm. So if, if you were wondering. Um, so apparently she played this for her studio boss, or label boss, David Geffen, and Bob Dylan was in the room, during which time he fell asleep while it was playing. So Matt, <laughs> he might have had a similar view that you had. But this, you know who didn't fall asleep? The Grammy voters, because they voted this album of yeah. the year and Help Me won record of the year. And wow. Joni Mitchell won best female pop vocal and yeah so i mean this swept pretty much the two big categories and i think it didn't what is there's their song and record of the year right yeah inexplicably so this one album and record and best female so that's yeah three of the big four so people love joni mitchell um Mm -hmm. yeah and actually i think that didn't did he date joni mitchell david geffen did he date her i don't know that i did no i i thought i might have because i remember reading about her um 
maybe seeing something in the documentary about Joni when I covered Joni Mitchell. I thought I saw more about David Geffen there, but well, we, yeah, I do. I do remember them being close at least. Um, we have long established that Joni Mitchell has that good good because she, you know, by her own writing, right? You know what I mean? Is able to stumble into. Um, a lot of very passionate relationships. So good on Joni, man, you know, being ahead of her time and, hmm. you know, being there. I, I respect someone who's that, <laughs> you know what I mean? That interesting to that many people. That's that's a real skill. Not many people have it. Yeah. So. Did you, Matt, did you say before or previous episode what her highest ranked album is on Best Ever Albums? Oh, it's is Blue. It, oh, it's got to be Blue. Yeah, yeah Blue, it's got to be. Blue is, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty much the, I mean, it's it's the, 77th best album of all time yeah you know 22nd in the 70s so yeah blue is um there's her magnum there's a, opus josh is what that well is. there's a couple we haven't covered yet that are like in revisionist thinking that we're gonna cover right that are i think we have now, two more to cover at least well we? and those are the ones that are starting to get the revisionist thinking of oh you know these are the hidden masterpiece type ones so i'll be interested to see you know what the evolution is of Joni and Mitchell she did that 70s. I, I yeah. do remember why, when I watched the documentary she does definitely go in different directions mm -hmm. you know it's not yeah. like she just stays on that acoustic uh, piano singer songwriter mm -hmm. thing she gets a full band she does a little bit more of the world music yeah. um, you know electric stuff so um, so yeah I think probably and this certainly you know uh, kind of um, you know uh, what's the it, it, it kind of gives you a little bit of a hint of where she's going with that stuff. Um, and I, I did, you know, that that was a nicer part of this, the variety um, for me. It's just that a lot of it just didn't land as much as I wanted it to. But, uh, but yeah, maybe we're going to hear more, you know, different things later on because I think we've got he Hezra, Hezra, that's uh, from mm -hmm. 1976. Yep. And then there's the Hissing Summer of Lawns. I think we cover that too. That's 75. That's so The Hissing of Summer Lawns. Hissing it? of Summer Lawns. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Misspoke there. So um, I think we do those two. So they're they're kind of right around this time. I mean, this is, you know, it's, it's 74, 75, 76. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to, to see where she goes with that. Um, maybe I'll like those better. Maybe she goes electric. <laughs> yeah, Jody goes electric. <laughs> yeah. yeah, She does do well with space. I have to give uh, the piano at times. There were times when she would play a piece that caught my attention and then she would let it breathe. And sometimes that doesn't always work for me, but a couple of her guitar parts I found or piano parts, I found very interesting that mm -hmm. she would play yeah. with a lot of space as we talked about in the Pink Floyd thing and noticeable, but it didn't lose me. So I, I will dap her up a little bit there that I, I was yeah. impressed by how long I stayed in. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting thing for me just because this is kind of something that I gravitate towards the singer songwriter thing. It's just, it's something about her style that just is not, and really jive with me so mm -hmm. um but no she's definitely she's talented and you know freaking people love her but that that was part of the other thing too i was like when i looked at the rolling stone list i was like so this is number 110 of all time i had another one of those really uh you gotta stop <laughs> doing that dude. I, know, I feel like I that know, disproportionately influences yeah your, you gotta do that after but yeah. i but no 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 but no. i but i i yeah. when i learned about it afterwards because i was looking because after after i listened to it i was like all right let me see where this ranks in rolling stone and I kept looking. I started at 500, and I kept going. I'm like, is it even in here? Did John do one of these things where he doesn't, you know, we're recovering something that's not in Rolling Stone? And I kept going, and I was like, wait a minute, 110. So, no, I did it, it, I did learn about that after listening to it. So um, Yeah, but that yeah. still, I think, does influence your take before you get it, you know? I think it really... I don't know if it does you any justice, Matt, to, to I, see that. Cause. No, it, it can't. Because if I'm like, it's okay, and then I see it's highly ranked, that'll make me look at it more negatively. So Just like what we were that. saying last episode, how, mm -hmm. how it influences. The canon yeah. influences our opinions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's true. Well, 
in fairness, I don't know if mine is influenced as much because you know me, I'm a surly jerk, and I'll, I'll you know what I mean? I'll sure. sometimes be like, I don't believe You're that. These experts. Well, these experts, what do they know? I'm smarter. And then <laughs> yeah. people are like, look at this, this idiot. And then there's like two or three people like, yeah. So, and luckily a couple of them are in YouTube. Who are, are we experts yet? We've done how many episodes? When do we get to be experts? I feel like kind of we have to be at the end of the six decades, right? Just by the sheer amount of stuff we'll have listened to at that point. There's only so dumb we can be at that point. So we're not we're not there yet, you're saying? We're not quite experts I mean, yet? People are self-proclaimed experts on everything, so... I'm I'm an an expert more than a lot of people. I'm an expert of CTS. (laughs) I don't really want to be an expert because when you're an expert, you know, you start to think that you have, you know, you close off the world a little bit. And I kind of like the idea that I'm always a little Mm. bit of a novice. I just like influencing public opinion. That's all. Mm. Okay. Well, with my takes, my hot takes. (laughs) (laughs) With your takes. There you go. There you go. Well, you got everybody. Why don't you let us know? Is Josh influencing your, your takes? Yeah, well, he's got three more tonight. Gmail.com. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. You got it. Thanks for that that teaser in there, Matt. Well, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, we've got other singer-songwriters tonight, so you'll have other chances to see what makes or does not make these other singer-songwriters there. And as a matter of fact, we're going to do one right now, going in a totally different direction, and Josh is going to start us after Matt runs the numbers, but we're going to be doing Bob Marley and the Whalers, Catch a Fire. So Matt, run the numbers, and then Josh will come yeah. in hot. Catch a Fire with Bob Marley and Whalers, number 140 in Rolling Stones list. It comes in at number 191 on Best Ever Albums, albums in the 1970s, number 24 in 1973, number 848 of all time, and it is Bob Marley and the Whalers' third highest ranked album on Best Ever Albums. Hmm. Okay. Well, I, I really like this album. I thought it is a it's a... You know, Matt was a little has been a little lukewarm on the other reggae that we've listened to. I feel like this is a big step up in terms of the reggae sound and production. I feel like there's a richness and a depth here that some of the earlier albums that we've um, discussed demonstrate. You know, such as Toots and the Maytals and the the Harder They Come soundtrack. I feel like this Bob Marley brings such a more. I mean, this is what he's known for too, but he brings such a soulfulness to this to this um sound and with his singing and and i don't want to you know he's not the sole focus of what makes this album good too the whalers are definitely an essential part of this bringing he's also not the sole singer yes he sings seven of the nine but not all of them oh okay i didn't Mm -hmm. i didn't catch that but i Mm -hmm. i did notice you know he has backing singers on many of the songs and they add much to to the tracks as well i mean this is this is classic i mean this is the foundational classic reggae that most people think of and definitely associate with bob marley i mean he's so famous in pop culture i think you know he's one of those people that is famous just by posters alone and (laughs) t-shirts and you know smoking weed and he just he in some ways like transcends jamaica and reggae and everything else that is associated with the musical genre and he's you know in the way that che guevara is on a t-shirt or something like that Mm -hmm. i feel like and um but but the songs are really good at the end of the day and i think i've really only heard bob marley through his hits so i haven't or best of, and I, I've never really listened to his albums proper. And I think that 
this is a really good album and he's got he's got humor and it's just got the good rhythms and i don't know there's something there's something more mature about this sound and and what he brings to it than maybe some of the earlier reggae that i also liked so what about you john um i also very much like this album um i will say what I've always thought that the the songs I like from Bob Marley most are his love songs. And so Stir It Up, I think, is one of the better Bob Marley sung songs. Um, it's just I don't it just comes in real well. It's got that that down tempo sort of almost it's it's like uh, Rocksteady esque. The sound of for those that know the sound of Rocksteady, it really slows down the Jamaican sound that, that was the rock steady in the ska, like the, the, the whalers really are where it's taken down. It becomes a lot more drum heavy in my opinion, uh, with a variety of drums. Um, Mm -hmm. and stir it up is a really good example of what that sounds like. Uh, one thing that I think is underreported on the whalers and he's not there much longer is that Peter Tosh is real, real good. And he sings the third and the fourth track on this album. And uh, in many ways, I think those are two of the three best songs on this album, to be quite honest. He has a, a very, for me, distinctive voice, especially juxtaposed with Bob Marley. Um, Stop That Train is a song that probably a lot of people will recognize um, that have listened to reggae at all. Um, and may not even recognize that it wasn't sung by Bob Marley because the whalers are behind it. So it has the vibe of... What I think Matt ident- has identified as like, what would be the American mainstream sound? And uh, I, I think one thing I want to mention too is that reggae was always more popular in England than it was in the United States because there was a large expat Jamaican population. And so the whalers in many ways were the, the ones that broke the sound in a way that connected with American audiences the most. Um, but Peter Tosh continue to be as big a star close to as big a star mm. as Bob Marley, you know, in, in reggae circles. Right. And it was really the whole thing with Marley was, you know, the growth, certainly the albums later, but the, the early death, right. Cause he died very young, a mid thirties, Bob Marley. And, um, and just sort of the, the iconic, uh, uh the memory, right. And, and mm-hmm. the Rastafarian lifestyle, you know, which is, you know, Rastafarian is a part of some Jamaican music, but I think people think all Jamaican artists are Rastafarians, and that is, like, decidedly not the case, right? Mm-hmm. It's, like, a very much a piece of, like, the Bob Marley and the Whalers sound. Um, and so you get it all coming together right now. It breezes by this album. Um, it starts for... It's interesting to see the track outlay, guys, on the original Jamaican versions and stuff, like, where they put the tracks, um, they move them around a little bit. And I was trying mm. to think like how it would sound with the movement around. And when I thought about it, I was like, you know, the, the American one is really the optimal track run in terms of how this is. Cause it, it builds to the middle and then brings you back down at the end. So I really like this. I, I will expand after I hear Matt's take a little bit too, cause I have a few other things, but I want to give him some space to, to weigh in here too. So Matt, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I didn't know most of this. I, the only thing this song I think I knew was Stir It Up because um, that's the one that's on the Greatest Hits album, the one, the one of two that I have. 
Um, and I liked it. I like Bob Marley. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it kind of again. I'm still. I don't listen to a ton of reggae, so a lot of it kind of just falls in the same lane. It's 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 a very you know a lot of the songs are kind of similar in a lot of mm-hmm. ways, but I'm not not that that's a bad thing because I I like it. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's a very I, I, I feel that the overall sound is very it's very mellow. It's very relaxing. It is very much like a you know good music to listen to outside at you know like a beach or something like that. You know, um, and uh, it's just it just it, it, it it's got that feel. Um, around it so uh yeah so i i really enjoyed the songs here um didn't know any of them really and you know i i again it was i was finding it hard to you know with some genres and some types of music i find it hard to especially on one take um you know or one listen i i should say you know to really be able to differentiate you know what i liked versus you know what's really stood out i mean it all kind of it stood out all in the same way i i would say um and you know i think bob marley's voice does help because it's more of a familiar sound he is the Mm -hmm. you know biggest reggae star in america for sure maybe maybe the world i i I can't say in Uh, he definitely is in the world too in the world too okay so um so there's a familiarity there that i didn't really have so much with the toots and the maytals uh album so uh you know something about it, he's got a he's got a great voice it's very chill it's very relaxing it's comforting and um it's i love the the little accent stuff that he's got you know that jamaican accent that you that he that he that you can hear throughout the album different words that he accentuates and stuff so it's 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 certainly got its own unique feel um you know in that regard but um but yeah i like it it's uh it's it's always something that i feel like i could put on the background it's 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 something that's very pleasant to have on it doesn't really require a whole lot of thought or invest time investment into you know really what's going on here what am i missing you know some of the other stuff that i've talked about like you know sometimes i need to sit with something for a while but this is just yeah. hit you it feels good it's nice um i like it and um you know i'm glad i listened to it the album cover was certainly uh recognizable that's i think that the album cover him smoking that huge spliff was mm-hmm. probably something seen on many college dorm walls throughout you know and that's the thing that's when i really became aware of him it was when I went to college it seemed like everybody had like either the shirt or the, the poster you know that was just like mm-hmm. a, I don't know like a rite of passage I guess you know in, in certain colleges anyway so certainly at mine but uh but I liked it a thumbs up I like Bob Marley it's it I mean this album I feel like they there's a strong difference in how this sounds versus how the earlier album sound in terms of production i feel like they threw a lot of money or they went to a good studio or something or or put resources behind it because i feel like this sounds much more polished and it sounds good yeah and mature yeah this was like the um the big shot for them it was Mm -hmm. released by island records and i mean without going too much into it they were pretty much broke the whalers and so they marley ended up having to borrow a lot of money to have this recorded Mm-hmm. But they recorded it, and I believe that some of the recording was done in um, Sweden. And okay. uh, a couple of, they had session musicians, most notably, we've talked about him before, but Wayne Perkins was a, the session musician on this, and he's a very famous R&B guitarist. So remember how I said that uh, Bob Marley's sound, right, mm-hmm. <laughs> resonates with America? Wayne Perkins is that bridge a little bit on this album where he gives it sort of an like Perkins had never heard R&B before he worked on this to give you an idea and never heard reggae you mean reggae excuse me reggae I apologize yeah so he was playing as he knew it and trying to adjust to the reggae and there you go right Mm -hmm. that that 
explains a little bit. I, I, there's a lot of percussion on this album too. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I want to stress that enough. And it, it's so funny because so much of what people think of is like what reggae sounds like. People will say, what's well, what Bob Marley sounds like? And it does, but there are differences quite a bit of differences between the earlier reggae we said. I know Matt said he likes this better. I, this is cleaner and more familiar to me, but I like all of the reggae and it doesn't all sound the same to me. It really doesn't. Like, on, especially on that, the harder they come stuff, the stuff that's more ska influenced and the stuff that's more rock steady influenced. And then this sound, they all have very different sounds to me, whether it's mm -hmm. more up tempo or how much horn is in it and how much of the like, you know, pick it up, pick it up beat, you know, is in there either slower or here. It's like at a glacial pace, right? That like sort of yeah. that. It is slow. Dun, yes. Dun, 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 you know, kind of that traditional reggae downbeat. Right. And, and that's what the hallmark of that Marley sound is, is taking that and really grinding it to a halt. And I think that having listened to Jimmy Cliff and Toots of the Maytals first and even some of the other assorted artists on that, you get a much greater understanding of what the evolution was with with Marley for sure. Yeah. And the political stuff. Uh, we we yeah. haven't even talked about that, but his songs are extremely political. Hmm. Bob Marley's, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize they had so many albums either. I'm just looking here. They had the whale, Bob Marley and the Whalers had 13 albums. Wow. And their first one was in 1965. Mm -hmm. So, and this is their fifth album from '73. Did so, either of you happen to listen to the Jamaican versions to see if there was any difference in no. in sound? Because Spotify has the both discs of. Yeah, this was weird because I didn't I, when I looked at the track listing because this the the Spotify version's like an hour plus long, mm -hmm. and then I looked at the 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 traditional version on Wikipedia and it actually is on the second half of the Spotify version. So I just skipped ahead and went to that. Yeah. So, that's what I did too. But yeah. I wonder I wonder if Jamaican version. I mean, that must mean it sounds different too, right? It's not just the track listing, but. Maybe yeah, I'm probably. Wrong. I can't. Yeah, I can't imagine. Why would they? <laughs> right. Here's the same album, just with different in different order. Um, yeah. But it's probably got some stuff. But I don't know. Sometimes I find that stuff is not terribly different. I would say like the Iggy and the Stu what is it? The uh, Raw Power. I think that was that was the one that was very different. That you could definitely tell the difference between the yeah. different production. But a lot of times it's just I don't. They're throwing a little different thing here or there. Um, I could be wrong. I don't know. But no, there's uh, a couple we've listened to that have been very different, but not many. You're right, Matt. There's yeah. not many. But but the ones that are, it's like well, I think of that Beach Boys album, uh, Beach Boys Today was another. Oh, the one mono like, versus the stereo. Oh yeah, yeah it was hugely yeah. different yeah. in my opinion, so, especially yeah. for a band uh, for a band like that that's just so studio, you know, heavy. Well, that, but they uh, weren't at that time. That's why it stood out because one was like Brian Wilson tinkering and one was him not. And it's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> now, I, now I know what that sounds like. No, that's right. A, but when but when they yeah. use so much stuff in the studio, so many different tools right. and uh, you know things like that, like it, a stereo version is going to sound much different than, than yep. something that's more stripped down. But mm -hmm. um, yeah. So no, I, I like this. I You know, this is like the second Bob Marley like tr proper album that I know. And I didn't realize that they had that many, you know, um, so it, it'd be interesting to hear. I don't know if he's going to change all that much. My guess is no, because I like I said, I have got that greatest hits album. I'm sure that's covering from a little bit from every album. And they're all mm -hmm. kind of it's all yeah. great. Like, I, I love it, you know, but um, I, I don't know if he's going to do a little different, you know, add, add different elements, like maybe speed it up or whatever to some of the more stuff that you were talking about with Toots and um, Jimmy Cliff. But um, but it's good. I like it. It's very chill, very relaxing. Yeah, and I want to throw, like I said, I want to throw some 
some uh, praise Peter Tosh's way because I'm familiar with some of his stuff. And unfortunately, Mar uh, Marley dies young of cancer and Tosh actually dies pretty young, too, in the 70s. He gets killed in a home invasion in Jamaica. Jeez, geez. Um, and so, I mean, I mean, that's the whole rude boy culture, right? You know, that's mm -hmm. where Scott and Reggae, that's a whole different talk that I'll probably bore some people to tears and hopefully fascinate other people with when we get into like the the you know the ska of the 70s right that's heavily influenced by jamaica and jamaican culture but yeah that's that's the idea of the rude boys right that the crime and this type of music intersect to some degree and marley to some degree was a um taking it in a different direction the rastafarian direction instead of just that rude boy direction so and mm -hmm. if you remember the 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 harder they come very right. much plays on those themes yeah yeah that's hmm. the whole plot of the movie essentially Exa well right exactly yeah. yep mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. so i think we're going to cover bob marley in some proper episodes too where he's got i'm sure we'll do legends ex right? exodus in 1977 so we're going to cover yep. that that was 74 and then yeah legend in the 80s is number 53 in the 80s which is kind of weird it's like it's, it's not a really compilation right yeah yes yeah, we'll it's his figure... greatest yeah. We'll have to figure out if we're going to do compilations. You know, well, we already did. We did um, Robert Johnson. Yeah. Right. Well, that's, yeah. That's I mean, in, in the so. proper episodes, I think we have. I think the question is whether we cover them in the uh, the cold listens. Yeah, there's going to be a couple in the 80s where we're going to have compilations of bands we're already covering. And, mm -hmm. I, you know, well, I, I'll be curious to hear people weigh in on that feedback, too. Should we do compilations of bands we've already covered or should we only save them for folks that maybe we wouldn't have touched on yeah, and to have a representation. Yeah. So I wouldn't mind covering that. I love that album. <laughs> yeah, but what, well, okay, I'd like, well. <laughs> I'd like, I'd like space maybe for a proper album and then we could always throw it in as like a bonus take, mm -hmm. you know? So, well, anyway, we'll have that. I know there's like a hat full of hollow is on there as well from the Smiths, which is, although that's an interesting one. Cause like 75% of that album is sort of like B sides that aren't on any albums. So mm -hmm. anyway, that's a, another discussion for another day. So, all right, Marley, sounds like thumbs up across the board, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. definitely. All right, so to steal Josh's line, and now for something completely different, 10CC. 10CC. <laughs> I, I can't even make up how this band got their name. Do you, do you want to take a guess as to how, what 10CC is, Matt, before we is run the Is it cubic numbers? centimeters? Does it have to do with some sort of drug dose dosage that a doctor would order? Give me 10 cc's it, of Ritalin it, stat. It, that's a, you know what, Matt? It is a good guess because it is a measurement. So I'm mm -hmm. guessing the CC is like what the 10CC would be. Cubic centimeters. Yep. Do, you, do you want to know what the 10CC stood for, though? Is it something this? gross? Yeah, it is something gross. Is it is it a man so thing? Is it a man? man <laughs> it juice? sure is. You are all it's a human penis. I can't believe you got it. It is. It is. They were named after the average amount of ejaculate that, that a man is nasty. has. <laughs> Ten cc is the average amount. That I can't believe so Matt that you got that, and clearly you didn't cheat. By the way, which I makes did it not. even more amazing. I was. I was. I John. I was picking up on your tone, and I was just going to where just I thought you it. would be yeah. going. So we that's... have been friends for a long. I didn't know you'd go there. <laughs> I didn't know it was that easy, but yeah. But when I guess when I said measurement, right? You know, it could only go so many. Mm -hmm. Josh went with the penis length measurement, which probably would have been where I went too. But Matt, you nailed it, my friend. So. Yeah. That is where it came from. So yeah, ten cc. Let's run the numbers, and I guess I don't. I, I, don't, I don't think dongs are, are measured in cubic centimeters, though. <laughs> no, Just, no, yeah. no, I didn't know if they were being clever or something. <laughs> ah, got it. 
All right. Well, the numbers on this, uh, it's it's not in Rolling Stone's list, so nope. I need to hear from John why he picked this. Um, it's number 667 on Best Ever Albums list of the 1970s, number 63 in 1974, number 3,718 of all time, and it's not even 10CC's highest-ranked album on Best Ever Albums. It's actually their third highest-ranked album. Oh, wow. so, okay. so, John, why why did we listen to this? Well, it, it is on that 1001 Best Ever Album. Okay. Listen to us you die, so that was that. Mm. And I picked this one, unlike some of the others, because I wanted to pick at least one album for these Cold Listed Hot Takes where I had no context of the band at oh, all. Yes. The okay. name... This thing, I, it was the it was one of the few albums on that list where I'm like, I haven't heard of these guys. I have no concept of what they're gonna sound like. I have no context of their origin wow. story. Who might have been in it? It's like you know how sometimes you guys go, I didn't know this band at all. That mm-hmm. hasn't happened to me as much. This I wanted an experience like that. So that's how ten. You got an experience. Sure did. I sure. I sure. <laughs> so boy, this was an interesting one because I put it on. And the first track was pretty awesome. I was yeah. like, whoa, this is a pretty damn good song. And like, I was like, I wonder if this is, if this is what it's like, this is going to be a real hidden gem. And so I was, I was with them for this one. And then the rest of the album happened. And the best I can describe this album as is this was like a proto They Might Be Giants album would be how oh, I describe good. this. That's good, yeah. Is, is that a, I, yeah, that's I my thing. I have other artists that I that I came up with, but I didn't think of them, but yeah. that's that's true. Okay. I mean, and I didn't see anything, you know, I didn't do much research at all, even before or after this, because I, I wanted just to Just on the this. man juice. I, I, that's the only, I just I just was curious like where they're from and stuff and in it in the first sentence they said 10 cc named after the average so but I purposely didn't go into it because I'm like I want to kind of do this one with even you know like I said I really try to divorce myself from what I learn about it mm. so afterwards but I wanted to go totally co- so I was just like that was my take like this is like they might be giants like nerd geek rock kind of at times felt tongue in cheek but in no way um, was it absolutely tongue in, was it <laughs> yeah. tongue in cheek in a way that made me laugh though like it wasn't oh, really? like i thought it made me it made me laugh no it wasn't like um the 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 harry uh nilson album right which made me laugh at different times even the randy newman one at times where it was there at, at, this is also one of the few albums we've covered that i have absolutely no idea what you guys are going to think of this album <laughs> i it, it 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 has it has the um that 70s pop rock sound that you know we did with the flaming groovies a mm. little bit and then like a bad finger and a uh, big star who we haven't covered yet so it's in that lane a little bit but with a, a hint of randy newman a hint of like they might be giants geek rock and as a res- they write about bizarre topics they're oddly like arrogant in their lyrics which mm-hmm. kind of is funny because i'm um, like I'm trying to figure out if they're tongue in cheek or if they're like they really believe this shit. And so, and they didn't they didn't give you any wink wink nod nod. By the way, that like a lot of artists that do with those slip and stuff, and you're like, ah, oh, I get it. Instead, they just they played it pretty straight while being absurd at the same time. So I I once again like the interesting thing. I was pretty sure Josh was gonna catch it. I know Matt doesn't listen to lyrics, so I'm like, okay, so Matt's gonna hear this as like a probably like a. 
a power pop album and Josh is going to hear this as sort of like a either a subversive or a ridiculous album and yeah and I'll stop there because I'm fascinated to hear your t- I, I I did not like this album so I'll end with that oh, I was okay. not a fan I was not a fan of this album I liked the first track quite a bit I don't know if there's been any album where it was so clear what the song in the montage was going to be because it was like the first one that I felt like this album fell off the cliff um but yeah is it Matt next I think Matt your take I think yeah, Josh has kind of so. telegraphed a little bit where, what he thinks about it, but where'd you stand on this one? So this is another album that's just really hard for me to comment on with one listen. Mm-hmm. Um, the main takeaway that I have here is this is just so much of everything. There is just, they talk <laughs> yeah, about, I mean, lot. we've talked about albums before that throw a lot at the wall and see, let's see what sticks, you know, and we've talked about albums that, you know, um, you know, very time signatures and they vary sounds and it goes in different directions. This is all of that on steroids. You know, this is like a song that's three minutes long that has about 12 different parts to it, you know, and nothing, and it doesn't seem on one listen anyway, they don't seem to fit together. It just seems like random ideas thrown together. Let's try this. Let's try that. So throughout the album, I just kept getting a variety of different, this, you know, the first song sounds a little bit like wings in the beginning, you know, Uh, the third song, you know, started off sounding a little like Paul Simon, like me and Julio down by the schoolyard. And then later on turned into Uge Mutantes, you know, Mm -hmm. like I was, and just like, I'm hearing Frank's, Zappa. I'm hearing Harry Nilsson. Yeah. I'm hearing Queen. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing just so many, so many different Almond Brothers. At the end, it was like a Southern rock jam that they yeah. were doing at the very end, you know? So it's just like Santana, like the bongo drums like Santana. So it's just all this stuff. And I think I liked a lot of the different pieces that they were doing and like appreciated their how unique they were, but they didn't stay on one thing for very long. And I couldn't really catch up with what they, I'm like, okay, now it's here. So my brain kept yeah. having to like refocus on, okay, now what's this? And once I even got a little bit of a sense of what that was, now it's something different. So um, it's an exhausting album to listen to in that regard for me. Um, it kind of reminded me of like a band. And I, it's interesting that this came up in my head because I don't really listen to a whole lot of them, but it seemed to me that this is what Ween sounds like. It's just a lot of goofy. Oh yeah, they're in that geek rock, yeah. okay. like they might be giants. Yeah, they're the yeah, exact they might same be- lean. And, yep. and it's funny because I'm more familiar with They Might Be Giants than Ween, but um, but Ween came. I'm like, I bet you this is what Ween is like. So um, it is. That's I a really I, good one too, Matt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I can't say I don't like this. I, I I was just I was very impressed and like confused at the same time. It's just yeah. like, you know, are these guys super creative and geniuses, or are they just like a bunch of you know college kids messing around in the studio and just trying to like see if you know like hey let's just mess with people. You know what I mean? So right. it's really hard to grasp. So. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about it. This is like a big, <laughs> big fat question mark that would require probably multiple listens, but I don't know if I want to do that or not. So, um, I, I might, I might, I don't know. It's a, a question mark, but yeah, all over the place. Very interesting record, maybe unnecessarily so, so. Mm. Well, I, John's explanation of the name of the band really says it all. I think that is their <laughs> kind of their ethos behind what this yeah. band is and how that's why I thought I had to share it because yeah. it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And how seriously you should take it and how seriously they take themselves. It's very self-aware. I was very entertained by this album and I will listen to it again. There, it, Matt is right that there is a lot going on, but, and 
there is a lot going on in terms of lyrical content as well, which I definitely paid attention to. Now, the songs are completely disjointed in terms of there's no kind of thematic through line through these songs. There's one, I mean, the second song is called The Worst Band in the World, and they're talking about <laughs> themselves. And they have a line in that saying, up yours, up mine, but up everyone takes time. And that is kind of, there's funny lines like that throughout the, throughout the, throughout the whole album. The first uh, song that John liked, The Wall Street Shuffle, there's a line where it says, bet you'd sell your mother, you can buy another. And so things like that over and over again. Yep. The, um, well, it sounds like a super tramp song, that song, by mm, the way. It's like yeah. it's like like the logical song, but like in a different way, in a way, is how I, what I thought listening to that. So There is a lot of synth in this, uh, this mm-hmm. album, and I feel like this is kind of a progenitor of all synth pop in some way. They... The, they have very high-pitched voices at times, too, in that, in that falsetto voice. Um, the lyrics throughout reminded me of hit the Harry Nilsson album in terms of the tongue-in-cheekness. But they also throw in all sorts of other um, instruments with the synth. They're not afraid to genre-bend and go from hard guitars and silly love, which is a little glam rock also. And then they you know change lanes like Matt said and do... A country sounding song in O Effendi. And I think Baron Samedi is named after a James Bond villain, so I don't know what that's about. But um yeah, I I I only know of ten C C through uh the one song on the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack that's mm. by far the number one song, uh most played song on Spotify for them. And oh, wow. I don't I don't even know that one. I don't yeah. even really like that song. So this is this <laughs> I feel like gives me a much more um, clear picture of what they're about. And I'm interested to see what those other two albums are like that Matt said are higher ranked because I had a good time with this one. And I think that there is something there, but I do like, I do like artists that don't take themselves too seriously and kind of hide things or, you know, have a sense of humor about them. And that, Mm. and that's what this album has. Well, that that song on Spotify is called "I'm Not in Love." It's the mm-hmm. high. It's got a, over okay. 192 million listens. The highest listened to, the most listened to song on this album was "The Wall Street Shuffle" at just over 10 million. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they have um, a song that has 192 yeah. million. Li- yeah, it's, it's amazing to me that there yep. could be a. I guess uh, I guess a lot of people watch Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Which I, yeah, have not. Yep. So I mean, maybe that took it there yeah wow it's on it's on an album from 1975 called the original soundtrack and that is that is their highest ranked album on best ever albums at 511 in the 1970s wow yeah this is this is such an idiosyncratic album that i can definitely see you know why someone would disregard it or not be into it right away and but like those other bands that and i don't really know that they might be giants or Ween by their music I only kind of know them through reputation and I definitely oh. feel like this is in that same uh, lane it's that like where it came to me is I always when I think of they might be giants and I think of you know I didn't bring up Ween but certainly they're in that that group too there's a couple others as well in that, mm-hmm. and they were they're it's like that mid 80s to very early 90s where that genre spe- i even like it's not true nerd rock but even pavement kind of came a little bit out of that um world and there's a certain type of guy i listen to and 
key word being guy i'd like to point out on that one who would listen to those bands and i feel that that guy right was probably who was listening to 10 cc hmm. and i always kind of compared that sound to they were sort of a 80s take on as matt said like that frank zappa sound yeah. and they just yeah. extended it because i feel like he was the geek although zappa always seemed a lot cooler to me than than like they might be giants in ween were you know like the i feel like you could listen to you know, I'm probably gonna get myself. To, I feel like you could have listened to Zappa and been cool in the '60s. I didn't know too many dudes that were like cool listening to like they might. And almost it was like a badge of pride, you know, to right to not be cool. And and now it's funny because now that type of guy that's like uncool is like almost mainstream now. Uh, so like it's hard mm -hmm. to re remember that they weren't like cool for a long time because now it's sort of like. How do I say this without having people want to come for my head? Like the idea of Just like reading, re like reading comic books and being awkward with women and playing video games and stuff, you know, and listening to like nerd rock. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's now. There's a lot of dudes that are like that now. You know what I mean? And it's like it's it seemed like there was so much more of a subculture. Back John, do then. you think do you think that comic book guy would like 10 CC? Ah, <laughs> uh, like. I don't know like, if he's who I think of listening to They Might Be I think of very educated guys, you know, who go to, uh, like, who went to college in the 80s, right? And, like, they they like their guitars plugged a little bit, but they needed their music to be not mainstream because, like, the mainstream kids, like, you know, the, the metalheads and the burnouts, like, probably beat them up and, like, the jocks probably beat them up. <laughs> so, like, it's, like... A lot of extrapolation. Stereotyping. Of yeah, yeah, well, it's just... it's just, But it's... I mean, but it, I was stereotyping, but it also was kind of true because you talk to those dudes and, like, in the... Er these guys were all over the early internet, right? Like, in, and, like, I can remember in, like, 95, 96 when I was on the internet exploring stuff, the amount of people who had, like, signature lines that had, like, they might be giants and, like... Ween and you know even early Weezer and Pavement and stuff they were all over and you'd see these yeah. guys and they were the guys that were like all in on the early internet and like mm -hmm. on Usenet groups and like flaming each other but like you know spending a lot of time like moderating Usenet groups and stuff like and 10CC to me is like the 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 guys that kind of were the 70s era and and there's always and like I said, the only difference is it went from being on the fringes to like mainstream to have that personality because like nerd culture became mainstream. So yeah, yeah not yeah. a bad thing. I'm just saying like nerd culture's never been mainstream till like the last ten to twelve years. When Star it's Wars mainstream. rules. Now maybe now, it with Star Wars. Now yeah. people trip over themselves to talk about how nerdy they are, right? Whereas mm. like you never would have heard that when we were growing up, right? You went out yeah. of your way to yeah. So Yeah, there's definitely a, a mainstreaming of of nerd culture and that's become kind of uh du jour but oh the title of this album is sheet music in reference to sheets on a bed too which is clever because <laughs> the album i uh, didn't put two and two together cover on that. has sheets okay. on it oh um, that's or good. pulling okay. sheets away it looks like something like that but gross yeah. <laughs> yes a lot of a lot of like once again like double entendre yep. like wordplay another hallmark of the nerd rock genre mm -hmm. It, it, and if you go with the pavement thing, right? Wowie zowie, slanted and enchanted, crooked radar. It's like that's a big part. The, of well, it. the weird thing is, if you look on Spotify where it says fans also like, it's like not artists. You're not seeing any of these artists that we're talking about. It's yeah. Todd Rundgren, the Moody Blues, 
bad well, oh, Badfinger you had mentioned. Badfinger, yes. Like at the first two, I don't see at all. Unless there's yeah. Robert Palmer, Joe Jackson. <laughs> Joe Jackson Joe Jackson, yes. I can definitely see because is she going out with him? Is she really going out with him? Is a song you could see these guys writing, yeah. couldn't you? ELO yeah, I mean, ELO kind of falls a little bit. I could see that to, to an extent. Mata fits. Hoople, I don't really know them too They're well. They're glam. They're like glam rock. They're I, who, yeah. all the young I kinda dudes, thought so. that maybe Todd Rundgren was gonna be like how these guys sound or like kind of more out there than what he was doing but the moody blues true. like what <laughs> yeah I don't, maybe yeah. there is no corollary with other well it's just what fans like it's just what the, what else they're listening to so it doesn't necessarily mean it's exactly the mm -hmm. same but yeah i don't know big question mark um very if you want something different you can certainly go here you'll get mm -hmm. it let's see yeah. what uh let's see what all music says artists that sound like them are yeah well i'll just, just say whenever I tack one on to our cold list and hot takes. It always usually has a good discussion, doesn't it? So yeah. I should throw some more flaming randos. I was just like, like where's? And I was, I was throwing back. I was like, he picked the third highest one of best ever album. Like none of them are on Rolling Stones list. I was like, wonder mm -hmm. why this one. So does it make um, you excited when you see one of those albums, Matt? Or are you like, God damn it, John, for putting this on there? Where do you? It's both. It's a little bit of both. At first, it's God damn it. I got it. What is this? And then, and then when I listen to it, I was, I'm just like, okay, at least it's not <laughs> like a, you know. A straight ahead you know regular kind of you know it is it's yes. different some of the good other good adjectives that all music has for them are campy and irreverent so i i think those are both yep. true it yep. says they're similar to super tramp who i don't know very well other oh than i just i mentioned song. them yeah i said that the one song sounds like the first song sounds yeah. like the logical song one of the most i mean you probably will know Super Tramp, Josh, without even realizing you know Super Tramp. I think we Tramp. cover them, don't we? Don't we do? A we'll Super probably Tramp? do Breakfast in America. Would be I know that. Best, I know but... that one like famous song of theirs, but mm -hmm. um, that's about yeah, it. Like, what would you think if your mind was so logical? It was like <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, very much like what I think of with that, you know, this song. So it's funny that they mentioned that because I did no research because I pers I purposefully did not want to draw reference points and be led anywhere i was just like this is what i think it sounds like so yeah interesting all right well we're down to our last one and i'm gonna let matt start on this one because i know this is a, a guy that he likes we all have experience with we do and we stories. do all have experience with it and stories for sure it is uh bruce Springsteen and the e street band it is the wild the innocent and the e street shuffle his second album matt go ahead and run the numbers and then i'll let you come in hot yeah, he's the boss. The boss. Um, it's number uh, so the the boss. Yeah, you said that. Um, it's the wildly innocent in the East Street Shuffle comes in at number three forty five in Rolling Stones list. Best ever albums has it number one twenty five in the nineteen seventies, number seventeen in nineteen seventy three, and number five forty overall. It's an album that I I not terribly familiar with. Familiar with the. Um, you know, a couple of the songs, particularly mm -hmm. Rosalita, it's the big song on this. I knew the 4th of July, Asbury Park song, um, and uh, Incident on 57th Street. I think those are the three that I was most familiar with. Mainly, I think, yeah. because I have the um, Springsteen had in 1985 a triple album, a live album come out um, from 1975. Oh, yeah, I, it was I borrowed that from you. Yeah, it's great. Too. And so yeah. a lot, so some of those, those songs are on that. So um, this is... This is not really the Springsteen that um, people have come to know and love. And mm -hmm. it's right off the bat, you get that, with the E Street Shuffle. It's like, 
man, that's a set. If that's a '70s sound, sound if there ever was, you know, it's just very like Stevie Wonder almost. You know, it's kind of like this 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 guitar tone, the sound that's very. It's kind of jangly, but it's like '70s jangly. Um, and uh, and and the production and the horns, it's 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 dated, right? So this is a dated Springsteen type sound. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I my and I knew it was going to be like that. I, I was you know I've heard this. I, his first album is kind of like that too. His first two and the first album was uh, Greetings from Asbury Park. Um, and so both of them are very similar to this. And if any, I mean, a, a modern artist that kind of copies Springsteen's, you know, lyrics or the the way that he uh, he sings the lyrics is totally something like the Hold Study. If you ever That's, listen yes. to them, it's, it's just undeniable. like <laughs> Craig Finn is totally yeah. like aping what these two albums are doing. And I am not a huge fan of that. It's just like. I mean, I was I was kind of you know ragging on Joni Mitchell for being too verbose. This is just like, you know, Springsteen's writing like the equivalent of like <laughs> War and Peace for this for, for these songs. It's just like so much stuff, and it's just like the stream of consciousness, which is ex- a little yeah. exhausting to be quite honest. Um, I mean, the music is 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 still here, and you could hear the roots and the 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 you know the the the, the beginning of what the E Street band and Springsteen would be in later years, particularly with Rosalita. I mean, that's that's easily the most right. E Street Band sounding song on this record um, for what it would be, for what they would be later on. Um, so, uh, and there's a reason why that that's a staple in live shows. You know, that's just that's that's just kind of you know uh, foreshadows what they're doing later on. So, um, so it's it's certainly not my favorite Springsteen. Um, I, I you know I, we're gonna get to that in a couple weeks when he starts the next album after this is Born to Run and it sounds right. totally different than what this is. And mm-hmm. there's a reason why that became the album that that it is. Um, but yeah, he's just he, the accordion. He's using the accordion in here, which <laughs> yeah, I wrote that a down. lot, a lot. <laughs> like not just like for a song, like in a lot of the songs. And I'm just going, I don't think I like too much accordion in my rock and roll. It's just not, you know, it's it's like this. It's got this Italian kind of. You could picture this like in yeah. Little Italy or something like that. Like a you know like a Lady in the Tramp, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, and, is this um, the first time we've heard accordion on a, on an album. <laughs> that's a good question, Josh. It's not something you traditionally hear. And I've heard more flute in my rock and roll than the accordion mm-hmm. at this point. And um, I think I'd rather hear the flute to be honest. So. Um, yeah, there's some there's some great great moments. Incident on Fifty Seventh Street is a, is a fantastic song. The great piano parts. Um, it's it's kind it does kind of have like the the John Cougar Mellencamp Jack and Diane thing, which is the Springsteen yeah. thing as well. Which is like let me sing in the third person about two lovers <laughs> and like to their their crazy adventures as these crazy kids trying to like you know have this last summer together, whatever that they're doing. So, um, you know, so I, it, 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 that, that, that's fine. But the music of that is just, is, is, is really strong. Um, and the, and the 4th of July Asbury park, like I said before, it's, it's, it is a beautiful song as well. It's got a, almost like a kind of like a country type guitar, you know, in the, in the beginning, it's a little twangy, but a great melody. Um, the accordion kind of throws it off a little bit for me, but it's still a strong enough song that I, that I do enjoy. Um, but the other one's like Kitty's Black. Didn't really know that at all. It's like this jazz lounge type song. Like he's really going in a variety of different areas with yeah. genres. Um, try it. So you can kind of hear him trying to, you know, figure out his, his lane and where he's going to go. So some stuff yeah. here, he, like there's a tuba, like Wild Billy Circus Story. Josh, I'm sure you hated that. It's a, it's got circus <laughs> in the title. So, you know, but, uh, but yeah, it's got like the, the tuba in it, more, more accordion. So and New York Ser- City Serenades, the last track seems like a song that I should really like, but it just, it doesn't really, it's, it's got a couple of cool parts, but it, it doesn't really have anything 
you know, there's not like a strong hook or melody, or it's just like, again, a stream of consciousness just playing the song, doesn't really mm-hmm. seem to have much of a direction, and just seems, compared to other Springsteen stuff that he does later on, it just seems, to me, it seemed weak. Um, you know, uh, maybe I would feel differently on more listens, but I was like, oh, cool, he's going to end with like a 10 minute long epic song. And it just, it, it fell flat for me, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I'm mixed on this. I love Springsteen. There's some really good elements here, uh, but it's certainly, it's a far cry for me anyway way from what you're going to get with really his next like four or five albums which are like it's a hell of a run yes exactly so there you go so i'm in the middle yeah i chalked this album up i the word i would describe this album is shaggy right it's very much him in my opinion trying to still figure out who he is stretching his legs a little bit he's dabbling in different things like matt said there's some jazz here there's some like 70s you know type of sounding songs and and really he's letting the e street band carry a lot of the album too you know these songs are very long in my opinion too long in fact you know some of them stretch over uh seven minutes or almost Mm -hmm. like you know half of them stretch over seven minutes and and a lot of that is just like the e street band playing so but you still have the hallmarks of bruce here right you've got because I call him Bruce, I'm on a first name basis. You have, <laughs> there you go. You have, you know, his his uh, songwriting style, trying to like set the set capture a scene, and you know the blue collar setting and the the stream of conscious type of lyrics, but they're also telling a story, and and all of that is here. But the he hasn't quite locked in what his sound is yet, and I think Rosalita is where he is an example of an early one where he did find out what what really works well for him, and and then I think he carries that over on Born to Run, which is the next album, and and really solidifies his kind of personality and style and and song style and and also utilizing his his voice where he's not always sounds like he's singing he's like sing talking in a way and yeah and i think he um i mean he sings more on later albums but he's he's doing that um a lot on this album i feel like so it's it's a i think it's a a good indicator and a, a not strong early effort but it's an early effort and i think probably if i had to go back and listen to asbury park album i think that probably sounds you know a little rougher than this one even so i think he's just still refining what he wants ultimately and and the hallmarks are there of who he becomes okay where do i begin here (laughs) um well let's start with i by far am the least big fan of bruce springsteen on this podcast which is hilarious because I, yeah. on paper, most resemble Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I not only grew up in New Jersey, I grew up in central New Jersey, where Bruce Springsteen grew up in Freehold, which is its own part of New Jersey. It's not the Bridge and Tunnel New York or the um, the Southie, you know, closer to Phil. It's like its own world, right? I grew, I, I'll never say I grew up true blue collar, but I grew up until the age of 14 when we basically... put all of our money into a house to get into the rich district, right? Like, so I lived in blue collar, New Jersey, so I get it. I went to the shore every summer and Mm. spent, continue going to the shore. Uh, My politics in terms of working class economic stuff and blue collar, you know, on social issues kind of playing it to not, 
you know, be controversial. Like, in many ways, like, Bruce Springsteen, like, represents, like, where I grew up, right? Mm -hmm. You know, just he was there 20 years ago. Uh, But it just, like, this this album is, like, all of the stuff that I... Springsteen has moments of brilliance, but there's, like, Springsteen-y stuff. And I've long described, like, Springsteen's a guy that writes songs for conservatives to remember their childhood. And, like, that's, like, I'm familiar with all of the experiences that Bruce Springsteen talks about. Like, not only just, like, going to the beach, but specifically going to the Jersey Shore. Mm -hmm. Specifically seeing shows in Asbury Park. Specifically getting lost in South Jersey while you're trying to get somewhere. Specifically heading into New York City to see something that's there and being young and doing all of these things. Yet none of this resonates with me because it's like backwards looking music. And like that's like the, the nostalgia nostalgic deep just where and it's like these large character sketches. It's always the same people. Like some mechanic you know, who's just working hard and doing it, who's going to marry the girl he gets pregnant. Some girl who's either, like, vaguely virginal, but, like, she's dating a greaser because he's got, like, a real 50s vibe because 50s, 60s vibe. There's always someone, a girl who's vaguely Spanish, like, in all of the stuff, (laughs) whether it be Rosalita or Maria or somebody. So they're all there, like... There's been people who've said it, and it's not, like, hard. I I could have gotten this out to it, but, like, Springsteen's whole catalog is following these people, like, who grew up where I grew up, like, Mm -hmm. getting older and, like, (laughs) it's like they started, like, being idealistic and, you know, bucking the rules, and then they go to the shore, and then they fell in love, and then they eventually got married, and a lot of times they got pregnant early, and they struggled with money, and they lost their job, and then they wondered about the world, and they did, and, like, all of his life has been following these characters that I know, but, like, my life has been defined by not getting stuck in that world, so there's nothing nostalgic about any of this for me, and maybe it's because he's writing about, like, what I didn't want to become, like literally didn't want to become. And I don't even think Bruce Springsteen wanted to become it, which is the funny thing. Cause like as time went on, I think even he got tired of writing about these characters while other people are like, play Rosalita, you know, cause it reminds <laughs> me. Of, and I, I think even he's like, oh shit, he's too nice to say it. But you know, it's to the point where even like members of the E street band became almost like the walking embodiment of these characters but like on this one you got like bruce springsteen trying to write lyrics like bob dylan trying to sound like van morrison yeah trying to do like 50s wild billy circus stories rock with all kinds of shit like brian wilson production you know phil specter is even better like it's like phil specter production and orchestration with like wanting to sound like van morrison and singing with like wanting to like write bob dylan lyrics uh, like all of it together, like is what Bruce Springsteen ultimately became, and depending on your take on him, right, synthesized. But for me, what I hear is like second-rate Van Morrison songs, t- as you guys imagine, way too many words with you know like Rosalita's got like all you know like Sloppy Sue and Big Balls Billy and Willie Down at the Juke and you know it's just like <laughs> there's just too many words. I don't care about any of them. I. I almost am annoyed that, like, my experiences are, like, nostalgized this way. I'm like, no, that's not what it is. Like, even when he writes about stuff that, like, I totally can understand. Like, we talked about, like, going under the boardwalk and, like, trying to, like, make out with Like, that is the thing that Jer- 
Jersey kids do, but like in no way like is my experience the same, even though I was probably trying to make out with the same girl Springsteen was in the 90s. I went to high school with or went to middle school and then knew them throughout high school, even that it's just. Was that you know, Sloppy Sue, John? Was that who well, it was? All of them. All, but Maria, you know, all of them. Like, I knew all of them. Not to mention, you know, Carl, Carl the Mechanic and, you know, Jim the, the Greaser, although he wasn't a Greaser anymore. He was, like, the kind of tough guy, you know what I mean, who, like, you know, were what... I, like, know these characters, you know what I mean? So it's like, oh, that's man. that. They're in our and fantasy football league. And, and like, <laughs> the other thing that drives me nuts is Springsteen, like, is probably the most identified New Jerseyan in the world. And he sounds like no New Jersey people I know. No matter how hard I try, and I don't even have a big accent, I, I will get asked hundreds of times of year where I'm from because there's parts that are tells and stuff. Springsteen sings in this bizarre, jer- like, it's not even a Jersey accent. It's like, you know, I'll be running in the Chevrolet Rider, you know, that's the side run. And it's like, what is, like, what is that voice? Like, it doesn't, it's like, could be in the Midwest or like the, the California, but it's like, Supposed to be it's like the, the, it's the everyman, John. It's <laughs> yeah. the everyman. I guess, yeah, but it's like it gets identified as like you know. Well, isn't, jer- isn't that what? Jersey. Isn't that what he? Isn't that what people give him crap for too? Is that like he well, always then, sing, sings about the blue collar life, but well, he never and he really. Spawned, I mean, he grew up as a blue collar, but like he does, he's not in that crowd anymore. You know. Well, I mean, in fairness, when he was writing these songs, he was like he's he's, right. he's, he's the real item. Like I'm not gonna take, and that's why he can write about that. And there's a lot of people who like feel this speaks to their experience. But like I said, there a lot of times I feel like it's like Chris Christie, right? (laughs) That's who who says, Oh man, Springsteen's like the, the troubadour. Like they ignore like when Springsteen gets tired of these characters. Right. And starts writing about, "Mm," you know, like the world's kind of, you know, and they're like, no, sing Rosalina or Sandy, you know, like that. It's just nothing about this hits for me. Like nothing. I don't like this Springsteen at all. Uh, just like it, the songs are long, they're tedious. I think the words are corny, like mm-hmm. overly nostalgic. I mean, I don't mean to beat up on the man because I like Bruce Springsteen as a person a ton. I don't like to bag on New Jerseyans. You know, he also holds steady our New Jersey kids who grew up trying to sound like this. Bon Jovi, of course, were, were equal Central Jersey kids who also mm-hmm. grew up in another town, Sayreville, that also is Central Jersey like I am. You know, like there's a there's a lot of people that like can embody this. But I always go with the idea that like John Stewart grew up near me, you know what I mean, and went one way, right? And I did, and then like then there was like John Bon Jovi and Bruce Springsteen. Luckily, I like to think we all grew up as adults who kind of got to the same place in life, but we took different paths. So there you so go. End of my rant right there. What I'm hearing is you have a lot of baggage associated with yeah. Bruce Springsteen. I just I've also seen Bruce Springsteen as much as nearly any other artist because so many people i know like yeah it's the it's the yeah. artist they want to see live and he is great live and i yep. draw he's great live while i don't like his shit and it can be both you know what i yeah. mean like it's like that idea that you give your heart and soul to it like and as a, as a new jersey and right you pride yourself on sort of like you mm-hmm. know we may be this but no one can say that we're not you know the real deal and like an honest, like hard days, right? Stuff like that. But that doesn't mean that like I'm sitting around waiting for Jungle Land to play or Rosalita. And like you can just, it's like he hits, there's variety of stuff, but you can be sure that he's going to do like a 50s cover, like Pink's 
Cadillac, and people are going to be buzzing in the audience, like, I wonder if he's going to play Jungle Land. I wonder if he's going to play Jungle Land. And I'm just like, I'm just, it's like a, a stick almost yeah. for me. And it's like, it, yeah. uh, I, the stuff that always is more interesting to me with Springsteen is when he gets disillusioned. So, like, a Nebraska Tunnel of Love, that's the stuff where Springsteen has to rein in his impulses. And that's the Springsteen that to me, is the mm. Springsteen that I understand. Cause that's the one who sees like the, the other side of this nostalgic life and how life punches back. So there is a Springsteen I like, it just isn't this Springsteen. Yeah. Wow. I mean, <laughs> tell us how you really <laughs> feel, John. <laughs> I haven't a... listened to this album in quite a while. I mean, I know this. I pr- it's funny. I probably know this album better than you guys do because like I said, yeah. it yeah, just, this is I, not I, one that I would go to. And I love, I love, I have a lot of Springsteen, but yeah, this isn't one. I, and I knew what it was. Like I said, like this in Asbury Park and Asbury Park probably has more songs on it that I'm, I'm yep. more familiar with than this one did. But, um, but it, yeah, that style is not, it's, I think some of the songs it works for me fine, but um, it's not why I love Springsteen. Well, um, or, but I also to, yeah. like, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, Born to Run, he's just like, you know that Rosalita song? I'm just going to write that nine times. Yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah. But and he that's... does variations of it, but that's, like, and I don't mean to minimize it, and we'll talk about that plenty, but, like, that clearly was, he's like, all right, I'm cashing in all my chips because I'm about to lose my record contract. Well, yeah, he does. He so does, he, he does, takes he the song of to... fucking Rosalita, right, and then repurposes it as Born to Run, and then writes, like, Darkness Jungle Land. Darkness on the Edge of Town, and, and, yeah, yeah, and, 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 and becomes the hugely river. successful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's but not wrong good, to do that. Rosalita's the song to pick. Yeah, but yeah. that's the good stuff, you know. He did. Yeah. He, you know, he went with that. And you're right. He is. He's a tremendous performer. He's the one that, like, you know, he's still now at whatever age he is. He's like seventy or whatever. He's still doing three plus hour shows. Like, and yeah. I've seen him plenty of times. The guy is unbelievable. What he does in show. Like, there's plenty of acts that young acts don't do that. They're like they do an hour and a half, and that's like, wow, that was a long show. No, Springsteen. So he's he's the real deal. I get the nostalgia. That's totally not you, John. I I kind of mm-hmm. like stuff like that. I don't mind. You and don't he's, say. He's very yeah. <laughs> he's very earnest, and I think earnest is can be a tricky thing in music. I think that it, not always he, though. He's not it, always earnest, which is no, why I like when he doesn't go earnest. Right, but like, yeah. but I'm thinking about like the stuff that he's most well known for, the stuff that's right, most critically right. revered, yeah. and the stuff that he that people love seeing in concerts. And when you see him in concerts, he's kind of like, he's like a preacher in the pulpit, like, come, come on. And he's talking about the power and the joy and the, the, mm. the magic of rock and roll. And he says all these ridiculous things, but he does so in a way, at least for me, that he makes you believe it. And it makes you yeah. like a convert, you know. And he's got this, like, he's got this aura that, that's really hard to pull off. The, and that's why the only other person I've seen even come close to doing something like that is Frank Turner. And he, he's another artist that's more modern that does stuff that's very, very Springsteen-like. Like, although he's not always the same, he's Turner's more of a punk background than than Springsteen, but it's the same <laughs> loose, it's just, loose punk background. No, that loose. no, no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't a punk band, dude. He he started he off was, as a punk guy. He was. I'm talking about the Frank Turner that you're referring to. No, no, no. Right, it's but that's far, talking, far away from. No, like, no, no. You're, yes, but he started. But he's 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 comes from a punk background, yes. and so and he, he well, does the Third Eye Blind guy came from a hardcore <laughs> band, so you know it's like yeah, yes, they well, did, but the semi charm life ain't what he was then, you know. No, so. but but he's but anyway. So um, the point is, is that it's 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 really hard to do that well and get away with it and be genuine and make people believe it. But Springsteen does that in spades like he's his shows are unreal. But um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't go to a Springsteen show to see him play pretty much all of these songs, I, you know, maybe a couple of them. But you're like you're, you're there to see the other stuff. And that's why he's he is who he is. 
Well, he has like this mythology around him almost that he's built oh, up yeah. over the years and that people associate with him. And, you know, it seems like Springsteen is very personal to a lot of people as an artist. I mean, they made a whole freaking movie about this kid in, in, in England who was a became a big uh, <laughs> Springsteen fan and, and came over to the U.S. and he was an Indian uh, of Indian descent, I think, or something. And it was a fine movie, but that's that's an example of what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, people think he's a god. Like yeah. he's like godlike figure in, in, in music. Um that I don't know. I don't there's not a whole lot of people that have that people put him up on a pedestal like that. Right, you know? exactly. Yep. Yeah, but I, yeah. Beforehand I sent these guys a clip from a pretty infamous South Park episode in which uh it's about South Park talking about Family Guy. And the the gist of the episode is that most of the guys on South Park uh, are the characters are fans of Family Guy, but Cartman, whenever he's shown something by Family Guy, they show it and they're like, "Oh, that's pretty funny." And he goes, eh. "Like yeah. stuff like, I, that." I feel is my role in Springsteen for this, you know. Like I appreciate that a lot of people like it, and I can't say it's bad, but a lot of Springsteen's catalog for me is sort of like, eh. "Yeah," and that's this was like more so of, ugh, this is like, you know, when he finally, to follow that analogy to the end, when Cartman finally goes, stop saying like that I should like this. No, it's that, that's how I feel like about this one. Too, so, too much I, I sloppy Sue. You didn't see the Van Morrison thing? My God, like he's No, I did actually, I, I forgot God. about yeah. that. When I, yeah. um, what was it? The, in particular, it was uh, Kitty's Back. That mm-hmm. song, it's like this up, this jazzy, upbeat mm-hmm. kind of thing, and I definitely was like, yeah, it's like Van, it's like Moon Dance type Van Morrison, um, yeah. which I was which surprised, I, yeah, liked. which, and I wouldn't have said that prior to the podcast because I didn't really know Moon Dance oh, Van Morrison very much, but I, but I, but I heard that I'm like, ooh, that's yeah, he's he's got man Van Morrison thing going on there, so I definitely, I, I know, I definitely picked up on that. I even think Born to Run, Darkness on the Edge of Town, Springsteen mm-hmm. is like trying to write songs like Bob Dylan and trying to sound like Van Morrison. Like even then I, I always have felt that mm. way always. Yeah. And it, to the point where like I was laughing, thinking about like pulling lyrics from this and I was doing a Springsteen voice and I, I know how to do his voice more because it's there, but like I realized how much my Springsteen voice is basically my Van Morrison impersonation <laughs> just with like a growling sound to it, you know, like, you know, you just have to like add like a forced labor to like what you're saying, like as if you don't want to enunciate any of your words, but in a different way than like, you know, Van Morrison just made A-H sounds, you know, and play stuff like, ha ha you know, his is more like, uh, like, uh, sounds or er sounds, you know, that's the Springsteen sound. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Well, there's that funny SNL skit where Beck Bennett does Bruce Springsteen <laughs> recently that I think of. Well, and Ben Ben Stiller for me is the ultimate yeah. Bruce Springsteen impersonation. He, I think he has it down. You know when he, mm. you know he's got like his voice, his cadence, sort of like mm. all that different stuff. So maybe I'll link something. Yeah, put, on there be a put Beck that Bennett up on Spotify or on Twitter. Yeah, if you haven't seen that, uh, I'll put it up, and you guys, you'll probably get a chuckle out of it because it's pretty funny. Yeah. So. So yeah, I, I can't say I recommend this one. I I, I also don't really? recommend I also don't <laughs> recommend the ten CC. I, I you know there will be you know I think even Springsteen likers I think will kind of understand where I'm coming from. I it has nothing to do with his connection to the audience, and I respect it and stuff. It's just and and if you don't, I mean the honesty is you can't tell me what. Well, how I'm supposed to think about my own no. childhood. I, so, well, yeah. I, I, I also, I love Springsteen and everything that you said. I'm like, yeah, that's your, I hear you. Like, it's, yeah. I can't argue with what you're saying. 
<laughs> like it's just as you know but uh i i to me it's 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 about the music and it's about the feel at the live show that's just like you know he's he, he does something that few artists have ever been able to that i've been able to see yeah. live you know he's he's special for that so I mean, we're going to be covering all of his albums too. It looks like in the in this run from well, the he's 70s got five, into right? the eighties. Yeah. yeah, he's got the next. Yeah, the, like the yeah from Born to Run, well, Darkness, to Born in the yeah. USA, Nebraska, and the River. Yeah, Nebraska's yeah. before Born in the USA, isn't it? Right. Correct. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But no Tunnel of Love. No, the, the river. Did you like didn't, that? Did you, did we mention the river? That's the in river. Yeah. Yeah. The there, river's yeah. on there too. Yeah. John, did you that, like? Uh, that did does you have like, the best ever depressing New Jersey oh experience song ever in the river, which I actually river, used to yeah. teach in my English class for poignant energy. The the <laughs> the line, and I got Mary pregnant, and that was all she wrote. And for my nineteenth birthday, I got a union card and a wedding coat. Is like the ultimate blue collar set of lyrics about where mm-hmm. I grew up. It that does hit. I will say that is like the experience of many people. I grew up with yeah. so there you go yeah mm-hmm. so yeah all right well next week we return back to the bio and long form episodes and guys i don't know if you have it pulled up or if you oh, took a Jesus. peek at what you're doing right now uh i'm guessing either that means josh hasn't looked at it or he knows what he's covering and he's interested Josh, in my it. recommendation is that you should start listening now because by the time that we record next week you might still be listening because <laughs> th- these are long albums we have uh, all right yeah. well uh, well matt why don't you start us off with what you're yeah. covering let's do some more genesis guys we're gonna do lamb lies down on broadway double album an hour and a half concept album rock opera peter gabriel swan song with the band all of it we're gonna do it all Good yep. gravy. And I'm one hour, 32 minutes. Yeah. Yep. I'm covering Elton John's goodbye. Yellow brick road, which is an hour and 16 minutes. And I am covering pink flop, pink flag by wire, which is a robust 28 minutes guys. <laughs> Time. 20. I thought you were going to say, minutes. I thought you were going to say pink Floyd at first. I thought you yeah. were going to throw a little uh, curveball. <laughs> I think at there's, us there, John. I think there's Genesis songs that are under 28 minutes. So <laughs> it's, it's going to, boy, is that going to be, you know, too, Long albums and then one that Jeez, is a, yeah. a, I don't know if we've covered an album as lean as 28 minutes. So also, your album's yeah. from 1977. So. 77, yeah, so we're, we're, in, we're in punk, new wave, that era of music right now. So yeah, yeah I am, tra- much like in, in our real lives, guys, I am dragging us forward whether we want to go or not in terms of how I'm looking at the music. I thought if you were doing them in actual rank order, actually, you should be doing Songs in the Key of Life, which is another, like, double album, hour and a half. But I thought that you might have cut back on that just to kind of give us a little bit of Wire was the... Wire is actually the next after Stevie Wonder, but because Stevie Wonder album is an hour and 45 minutes, yeah. and we already had two, I did move yeah. Wire one ahead of Stevie Wonder yeah. on purpose. So you were correct, Matt. Your deductive logic is is correct well we there. also had that josh that nick drake album that you just did that pink moon that, that was like a 28, was 28 minute long minutes, album yeah. right so yeah so those yeah. two might be the those I are mean, like eps nowadays i'm gonna say it now i'm not sure if i'm ever gonna like a, a double album like just because they're too long that's my bias i think <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll it's got to be a really good double album we'll, we'll, we'll find that josh we'll get you did you, you liked album. all things must pass yeah but you like know. use your illusion yeah but that's two separate albums yeah, but release them the same You don't have to listen to them in one sitting. Well, well I, I, I often don't. To... Yeah. <laughs> I often Nobody's don't forcing to you to do it. Albums, just be... yeah. Josh, just be... here's the thing. Just because it's packaged as a double album doesn't mean you have right. to listen to the whole thing at once. You can you can Which break is... it up, dude. You're, I mean, I'm not going to lie. George Harrison thing, that's what I did. I listened to yeah. his three distinct albums <laughs> because I, I had to digest it, you know? Yeah. So. 
True. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. maybe I'll break it up then. There you go. Yeah, we got, you know, and I'll do one more thing to kind of let people know because we have that, and then we uh, we're having some interest. We're having Springsteen coming up in two more episodes, right? And then we've got uh, Stevie Wonder coming again, and we finally do cover Kraftwerk coming up soon as well. Kraftwerk. So we uh, yeah. So we are in you know, revisiting some of the stuff to truly give us the totality of what we're talking. It's, oh, and Supertramp yep, is and around Super there too, Tramp. Crime of the Century, yeah. Yep. So, all right, well, it'll be interesting. But I think that'll put a bow on this episode. So hopefully you were able to listen to, to both, our own double album this week, yeah, right? Really. Split, uh, split yeah. into two parts. So we took your own <laughs> advice, Josh. Wow, yeah. I didn't even think of that. We took yeah, our own and, advice. Two albums. We're going, we're going longer here on these uh, cold listens when we have uh, we have John ranting about Springsteen. and <laughs> Tindu, So we can... Uh, it's entertainment value, though, I think. Something, I think that was... something tells me that those that listen to us regularly may enjoy whether they disagree with everything I say, that, that hot take. So, yeah. It's so. a rich tapestry on this show. It sure is. And, well, until next time when it's an even richer tapestry, this is John signing off for Matt and Josh. Uh, have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to the Combing the Stacks podcast. We're now available to be liked and followed on 10 unique platforms including Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, and Verbal. Feedback is welcome at combingthestacks at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at the handle at combingthe and on YouTube by searching for Combing the Stacks.